Welcome to Mixed Company, bringing the siloed and uncomfortable conversation we have with our friends to the forefront so everyone can participate in the conversation. We say all the things you never would in Mixed Company. Welcome to Mixed Company. Hi, everybody. Yo, what's up? So it's just the two of us today. That's Kai's on vacation. <laughs> so you may want to introduce yourself. Oh, I should. I mean, yeah. at this point, okay, whatever. I'm Karina. I'm Simeon. And this is Mixed Company. Yep. Um, once again, just the two of us today. Kai is on her way to see the queen. Yes. The queen bee. You know, it. I mean, you saw the live. I saw a couple of minutes. It's. I think I, I don't think she started singing by the time I had to turn it off because I was at a red light. I'm going to catch the whole thing. I'm going to find out how to do it. Because I've been trying to search these like past days on the YouTube channel and everything, and it's, I am having no luck. It's there. I'll will send you the link that somebody sent me, because uh, that's how I found it. But I had to like. You had to do some searching. Yeah. Um, but it looks great. And shout out to anybody that may have gone to Fam Florida State. I saw some people on my um. On my Instagram with their yellow jackets and stuff. I'm like, okay, doing big things, dancing with Beyonce. See you. I feel like that was one of those moments where I was like, oh, maybe I need my black card revoked because (laughs) I don't know what was going on. (laughs) But I did not go. I'm not from Florida. I don't know anything about that. So it's all good. But that's HBU experience. HBCU experience, I should say. I'm sorry. I mean, I went to a PWI. Me too. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I went to one in Florida. You went to one in New York, so I guess. I mean, and Kai's not here for our representation. <laughs> I, I try, I try. I'm still playing catch up though. So what's been going on, Sam? What's new? Hustling. I know, right? We've Oops. been doing a whole lot. If you haven't um, caught us on the Exceptional Woman of the World podcast with Doug Zanger for the drum, you have homework to do. Yes. And catch it. It was a really fun interview. I've never... Have you ever been interviewed like that? Um, On panels, not oh. on the podcast. Oh, but it's cool. It's cool to be on someone else's podcast. Yeah. Um, so you guys should definitely check that out. It's a quick one. I think you said it's like a 30-minute Yeah, podcast. it's not long at it's, all. It's for your commute, so uh, jump on that. And also catch Kai's interview on Madison and Culture with David Sable. You learn a different... You learn. A lot of things you learned about how living in Philly affects her hustle and just some awesome stories. It's a really good interview, so you got to check it out. So y'all have homework in addition to catching up to episodes of Mixed Company as well. Word. Make sure you do that. So you want to go into dope shit? Um, Or do you have ancient? What you got? Um, I have have dope shit. Okay, cool. What do you have? We don't, well, I have dope shit, I guess. Okay. By the time it, like this episode airs, I'll be at my last year of the 29. <laughs> That's oh, pretty dope. You're welcome. What do you- <laughs> uh, <laughs> Go ahead. So my, my dope shit is um, an article from The Cut, mm-hmm. which uh, came out on Equal Pay Day. And they, the title of the article is, We Asked 14 Employees to Share Their Salaries with Each Other. And... Basically, what they did was they found um, 14 men and 14 women who worked at the same companies, who had the same titles, and they basically asked them how much they got paid. And 
then they disclosed how much the other sex was getting paid to the other one. Oh and God. I thought this was awesome. <laughs> because, no, but, and, and I'll tell you why is because for the last, I would say for like the last year and a half, um, maybe two years mm-hmm. when I realized I was getting shitted on as far as my salary, um, went, um, I really started asking people how much they were getting paid and I really started encouraging other people to ask other people how much they were getting paid because in our society, like asking someone their salary is taboo. Like you're not supposed to do it. Like it's supposed to be a secret, but in reality, like if you're going to close the, the pay gap, whether it's the gender pay gap or the racial pay gap, the only way you're going to know that you're getting paid less than somebody is if you ask or as someone is making that data available to the masses and most of the times they're not mm-hmm. so you can go in glass door and you can see how much a salary generally is but you don't know if that salary was posted by a man or posted by a woman so yeah if we're talking about the gender pay gap then it's really going to take women asking men how much are you getting paid and the men being transparent about it um, and if you're a person of color, it's going to take you asking, I would say, preferably a white man, how much they're getting paid and that white man being transparent about it. Because at this stage, like they're at the top of the pay chain. Yeah. Um, but I'll just kind of go through a few of them where uh, there were two senior editors at um, different magazines underneath the Hearst um, umbrella. Um, the man was making eighty nine thousand five hundred and the woman was making eighty thousand so the dude was making ninety five hundred more than she was um there was another one two english professors at uh the university of oregon he was making ninety four thousand she was making eighty eight thousand he had about almost six thousand on her um and pretty much most of them were him making more than she was making and then i think there was probably one one uh pair where they worked at a law firm they were making about the same and that was only because they had um what do you call it basically there was a salary cap for that position so pretty much everyone came in around the same salary uh, but there was only, I think there was probably one woman who was making more than the dude. Um, and it was a lot. So, <laughs> so is it like intersectional too? So like if you see like a white woman and a, a black woman making at the same job, did it show that? Or it was just only no, by gender, th- men and women? It was just gender, men okay. and women. Um, they were kind of, they were doing it blindly because I guess, you know. Yeah, you have to. <laughs> <laughs> um, but at Cooper. Price Waterhouse Coopers. Um, there were two senior associates. The dude was making seventy five thousand, and the woman was making one hundred and twenty five thousand. What? Plus a five thousand dollars signing bonus, so she had fifty thousand dollars on him. Um, it was really interesting because all of the other um, her negotiating skills must be like on point. Yeah, so she, you know, all of the other. Um, pairings the dude had like probably like about a paragraph to say um, <laughs> but this dude he only had a sentence he goes oh females are paid well and that is very good <laughs> um, keep it short yeah but she <laughs> not even but do she it. was saying so i think 
and uh, so I'll just read hers. So she said, wow, I'm kind of surprised to hear that number. I knew I was high in the senior associate range because of Glassdoor, which is part of why I didn't push for my salary to be higher. But now I'm hoping this means that they think I'm more, I'm easily promotable. I can only assume my being on the higher end is because I explicitly told a recruiter what I made at my last job and they made an effort to match it. So I think it's, it sounds like she negotiated a little bit heavier than, than he did. Um, but if you get a chance, you should definitely check out this article. Um, it's called The Cut, you said? Yeah, the website is called The Cut. And the article, um, the title of the article is Equal Pay Day. Um, cool. Yeah. So mine is from Misrepresentation. Um, have you ca- Have you seen the movie before, the documentary, about how women are like seen in like media and things like that and how it affects. So there was a documentary called misrepresentation and it showed like women, how it was a docuseries, how women are portrayed in the media and how that affects like their psyche and like to young girls and things like that. So they're coming out with a new documentary called, hold on from the great, um, yeah, from them it's called the great American lie. And it's going to show, um, disparities between the different social economic groups in the U.S. as well as what we consider masculine, feminine, what we consider um, as individualism, power, money, how that all factors in how we see each other as Americans and how has that like morphed us as a society. So I'm very interested to see that. It's covering a lot of topics. Mm. I think people are doing this, of course, because of the election and, you know, Trump and all that, yeah, that all mm. that stuff. But um, we are explicitly talking about it, how all those things affect us, how we see each other on an everyday basis. So I'm excited to see it. Um, yep. I've been seeing some previews here and there, but you should check it out when it comes out. If you um, and check out Misrepresentation's uh, Facebook group, the preview for the Great American Lie is probably there as well. First of all, everything in America is a lie. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's just that's just my opinion, you know, because I want the revolution to happen very bad. You do. Um, I mean, I think I think it's it's good that they they're actually putting that out there because a lot of the shit that we were told as kids was bullshit. <laughs> like, yeah. It just, it was it was a one-sided story and i think part of what we're seeing right now is you know this call for representation is a little bit of a uh, of a revolution because people are people want the story to be rewritten they want equal rep, equal representation in these stories and the only way to do it is to have platforms like um the great american lie or misrepresentation to be the ones to sort of start rewriting those narratives that are problematic as fuck um because those narratives really um they they uh they promote gender equality they promote um the things that we're all fighting for to correct especially in in the context of diversity and inclusion um and and social equity and so we just need people out there putting these lies in people's faces and fucking shit up. (laughs) And I think for people of color, especially as a woman of color, representation is so key because it's just, we don't know how deep it may mean for somebody else. You know what I mean? Like you don't know, like 
I don't know if you saw some videos about the Olympics. There was this woman who was Jamaican, uh, Jamaican American, and she was on the bobsled team. And she was talking about um, that she's, you know, it doesn't matter like win or lose, but she is representing for the kids who wouldn't think about going on the Winter Olympics right. or, you know what I mean? Like representation is so key. Even when you see like Usain Bolt, you know, when he got big, what that meant for so many kids in Jamaica and even kids here in America that, you know, you can do it. It's attainable. You if once you see someone do it, like it just makes the dream more real. So, you know, representation to me is just like you never know how it's going to affect a child or even affect you. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm, I mean, I, I completely agree. I, didn't, I don't think I went through the the. I guess seeing someone and them kind of being my hero and motivating me to do shit. Probably. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I was a dickhead when I was a child. Um, but I can say that the lack of representation in my community, especially within creative fields, didn't expose me to things like people who worked in advertising. So if you don't see it, then you don't really know that it's there for you to be so true i think it's 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 really crucial that we like we're really proactive and trying to fuck up the status quo that has been given to us by this country yeah all right yep so um I'm, let's go into the episode so today is april 16th on april 10th it was equal pay day you yeah know what that is um, yes, I do know what it, oh, what it is, okay. but why don't you tell everybody All right. what it is? Because <laughs> I didn't know what it was. So Equal Pay Day represents how far in the year women must work in order to earn what men earned in the year before. Equal... Oh, I did not know that You part. didn't know that? Oh, okay. Um, it usually falls on a Tuesday to show how far into the next work week women must work to match the pay earned by men. And this is by the National Committee on Pay Equity. So clarify that. Because when you started off, you said it represents how much longer women have to work than men to make up that difference, right? So is it the same day every year? It usually falls on a Tuesday. Same month every year? That... I'm going to presume yes, but I'm not sure. Okay, so that's so the more significant. So it has to be like within the beginning of Q after Q1, it would probably have to be in the beginning of Q2. Okay. Do we want to verify this real quick? You want to fact check? You can fact check me. <laughs> yes, let's 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 And fact then I'll check. tell you the fact points in the meantime. Okay. Do so, that. at the current pace of change, women would have to wait 100 years to earn the same pay as men, according to the American Association of University Women. According to the AAUW, black women earned 63% of what white men were paid, while Hispanic women earned 54%. So to put that in perspective, black women would have to work until, the, until August 7th of this year to earn what white men have earned the year before. And for Hispanic women, it's another. It's November first, so it shows how far we are behind men. That's shitty. <laughs> um, but I'm I'm also curious as to where 
white women are white women are where black men are where hispanic men are um because i'm sure we're all not at the same like no because if we're all varied months right and then if so we can try to figure this out now if white women make an average of 79 cents for every dollar made by men and a white and a black woman makes every 63 cents and latina women make 54 cents so you would just they probably white women probably make a they probably need to what august maybe up to july june Mm -hmm. they would probably be caught up to white men and it's probably earlier in the year for black men and i don't know about hispanic men to be honest okay so i'm i'm fact checking the date the only difference is that asian women they make with some groups they either make far more or far less than average so it's dependent on like what they do interesting so um i'm looking up the equal pay day and is it april 10th every year it's not april 10th every year um it says the date symbolizes symbolizes how like you just said symbolizes how far into the year women must work to earn what men earned in the previous year the exact day differs both by year and by country. For example, Equal Pay Day in 2005 in the United States was April 19th. In 2016, the average pay for females in the United States was 79% of that of that of the average male. That didn't really answer the question, but um, okay, cool. So we can just assume that it's around the same time because, yeah. like, you you would have to figure out past Q1, like where you are. In, in comparison to the control, which is the white man, the man. Yeah. Interesting. So, okay. So what does this mean for people of color, right? Because today we're going to discuss like how the pay gap affects us, how we can narrow the gap and is what people are telling us, like is what the data shows. Is that realistic in real life? Because if you ever found like studies, sometimes the study is, you know, you can do this and, and do that, but it's like, okay, that's not really realistic once you're in the workplace. Or maybe it is. I don't know. We'll discuss. You're a black yeah. man. I'm a black woman. Let's go. <laughs> I mean, I think it's re- realistic is there. there isn't a one-size-fits-all, right? Like, there isn't. It's, it all depends on what industry you work in. It depends on the employer that you're working for it depends on your level. So there are a lot of different factors that come into play. I think it's what's crucial is understanding how to contextualize the, the advice for the position that you are in your life. But there's also one thing that I was looking at the studies that I didn't think about geographic location Definitely. as well. I didn't fa- for some reason I didn't factor that in as well. I mean, but people talk, people talk about that all the time, right? So if you take your New York salary and you go down to Florida or you go down to Atlanta, you're balling. But not not like that in the sense of attitudes and generalizations of how we interact. So like I don't think I I mean I think that there's still truth to that like you as a black man do you think you'll be treated differently if you worked at like a Texas location like a southern advertising agency as opposed to working in a New York agency Um I mean that's that's a good point I don't 
no, I'm going to assume I would probably be treated differently. Yeah. Um, I'm also going to assume that I would probably be treated a little bit better. Even though it's Texas, and no shade to Texas, but it's Texas. And technically, <laughs> like, I mean, Florida and Texas are equivalents in my book. Like, because we're in the Southern and, and people wear cowboy y'all hats. just do and... a lot of fuck shit. Like, there's just so much fuck shit. Like, you always like, come at me about Florida. We have alligators. No, yes, because there are people like, who eat bath salts, but that's not my family. But the, the crazy thing is, like, you ever hear, like, the headline of a story and like yo that shit sounds crazy oh they caught a man having sex with an alligator while his wife was standing by and she stabbed his girlfriend <laughs> and it's like oh that was probably texas or florida <laughs> <laughs> and more than likely that shit was texas or florida and for the record um, it most likely was in south florida Probably a different part of Florida. I mean, it's, it's, it's Not all, the, all parts of Florida are created equal. I'm it's just all saying. The, the, the same to me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like I think, I think I would probably be treated a little bit differently, and I think I would probably be treated a little bit better. New York is a very competitive city, and I think people are just a little bit more cutthroat here than they are in other places where like you live in these other states because you kind of want like quality of life. Mm -hmm. I don't think people come to New York with quality of life. Like there's it, it, I think it fosters the bullshit that we talk about on a day to day basis. So like, and I guess that's a way of weeding people out kind of thing. Yeah. Like it's a doggy dog city. Like that's just, part of what it is like and for me who's pretty much been in new york my entire adult life i've seen so many people come here with like hopes and dreams come from you watch, like, you watch the shattering i, in, I watched in real them life. shatter like and just <laughs> fall to the wayside and a lot of them went back home right so i think yeah. that's like the key thing is like oh you came from one of these places that we're talking about geographically, like the mentality is a little bit different and you came here hoping to win and you just weren't about this kill for your paycheck life. <laughs> like it's, True. and not necessarily like kill explicitly, but fight for it. Yeah. You, there's, you have to have a little bit of a fight for it yeah. to survive here because the, the inflation has gone up hella quickly what do you mean um, it continues it's exponential movement i mean but it, what it's i'm so saying is rude like, <laughs> it's it's gone up a lot and yeah. that's and that's what like kicked a lot of people out of the cities mm-hmm. like it just got really expensive and their hustle didn't keep up with the inflation rate and so like you have to be willing to go hard for it i mean like even the people who are listening to the podcast right now right so one you have yeah we're a low-key entertainment but we're also a resource and so i'm guessing that you're listening to the podcast because you're trying to figure out how to navigate because you want to make sure that your fight is keeping up with the inflation you want to make sure that your flight that your fight is keeping up with um your seniority in the game so i feel like you have to be willing to take those extra steps if you're going to a be in a competitive industry and 
I'm guessing we're talking to a lot of people who are in competitive industries because if you're a I mean, teacher, that is New York, though. It's like all competitive. Yeah, but if you're you a teacher. You could be on it, Times Square pretending to be full Elmo and you fight against another Elmo. You fight against I'm, the Tin Man. This true, Competitive but, in every nature. I mean, it's, it's, it's more like. I get what you're it's, saying, It's though. different. Like, if you're a teacher, it's different. Like, when like I know teachers, like, we don't talk about work. We talk. I'm going to take that back. We talk about the bullshit because there's there's political bullshit in every industry, but there's there's a cutoff point in that conversation because they're just like, nah, I'm not, I don't deal with that. I'm a teacher, like, you know what it's gonna take for them to fire me. For us, like, we're so replaceable that it's not it's not the same. So, with that said, do you think that the pay gap makes people of color work harder in the workplace? I don't think there's a pay gap. I think that's just the culture. The culture, people of color culture is you work twice as hard to get half as far. Well, you just know the off rip that you and, in the gap. And so for, it, that's probably not how it was um, taught to you because that's not how it was taught to me. It was thought like you just need to work hard. Like you need to work harder than your counterparts. Yeah. Um, and so I think that is our culture. Our culture is that we are taught to be accountable for our actions in these environments. And part of being accountable means that you have to work a little bit harder than your white counterparts. And I think if you're a woman and you can speak to it more than I can, that depending on how you were raised, if your parents are grooming you to be successful in these environments, then they were teaching you to work three times as harder because strike one is you're a woman. Strike two is you're a person of color. And so you have to work a little bit harder to prove yourself than I would. So I think it's, it's really, um, and a stay there. Cause like you, like the higher you get, you have to, the more you're paid for your professional opinion and thought. Right. Mm -hmm. So you have to, be more confident in that, but also you have to fight for it harder because you have to gain the support in a room and, or you have to gain the power to say, to make a decision sick by it. And I mean, I think and, and in the context of this conversation, that's where the frustration for a lot of people come where, where it comes from or where it stems from is you kind of hit this point where, you've paid your dues. And to me, that's like basically saying like you paid to be able to say that you have a professional opinion that is worth X amount of money. I should be getting paid for this opinion. I think I'm getting paid what I should be getting paid for this opinion. But the data, the general data mm -hmm. says that chances are you're not getting paid for that shit where the fuck is my money? Right? So <laughs> like, like that's, that's, that's where I think that's where it comes from. And my personal experience was I was in, um, I was discussing a job with somebody who was going to hire me and this other woman. And we were in a group chat and the dude asked for our rates. And I was like, mm, I'm just going to hold out for a second. Right. Okay. Like, I just want to see how much she's going to put down. Okay. And she put down double what I was going to ask for. And I was like, oh, shit. 
Word. Okay. And I heard her off on the side, and I was like, yo, what's that rate about? Like, what, <laughs> like, what are you trying to get rich? And she was just like, nah, that's my rate. And I was like, okay, explain this to me. Like, like, like I want to, and she's like, yo, that's what I asked for. Like, that's how much it's worth. Um, granted, she had a master's degree. I do not have a master's degree. Um, but do you think that equates, like, because in our industry, a master's degree does not equate to more money necessarily. So her master's degree, she had more diverse experience as a writer than I did. Okay. So she worked in journalism. She worked for magazines and um, written for books and stuff before becoming a copywriter. So when I looked at the salary that she put out, I was like, oh, okay, cool. I get it. Like I went, I looked at her resume and I was like, all right. I see the justification I, a little bit. I see bit. why you're asking for this. Okay. But I got 75% of what you got. <laughs> so I'm actually 75% of what you got because that's how I, you equate it. Of course. Because one, like I was, I was operating from the standpoint of this, the salary that I was asking for, I'd ask another black dude, like, yo, how much should I ask for? And he put that number out there. I had to go back to him later going, yo, you're cheating yourself because one, you have way more awards than I do. Uh, you had way more experience than I did. So, what are you asking for? So it was kind of a snowball effect or a domino effect of, oh shit, my eyes were open to, all right, now I got to put my, my homeboy on to say, your eyes should be open too. But then also, the, for me, it's, it's been a domino effect since then, right? So when I hear other copywriters, specifically or creators, creatives talking about being broke, and I'm like, all right, cool. How long you been working? Mm-hmm. Where you work at? Mm-hmm. What do you work on? Mm-hmm. I'm not going to ask you a really sensitive question. How much do you get paid? Initially, they're like, uh, well, I'm like, yeah, you said you broke. Like, I'm asking you for, for this reason. You just reason. ask people straight out like that, like, how much you get paid after yeah. your series of questions? Yeah. Because, and like, people answer you. Oh, yeah. Oh, People have been answering. Like, I think it's really fun to talk about money at this point because, yeah. one, I constantly say, like, the revolution is in information. Like, you... Yeah. None of us are about to go out there and get buy a bunch of guns for the revolution to happen in New York. Like, that's that's not the way that we're operating. We're trying to get our piece of the cut. And so the revolution is... And information. So me asking them, like, yo, how much do you get paid? Mm-hmm. Is like, okay, cool. What? Why do you want to know? This is why I'm asking. Like, yo, you said you're broke. <laughs> like, I, I where's know, the right? money? So where's the money? And one of the, I guess, the incidents that comes to mind is where I was at an event, and I just met this woman too. Um, and she's like something about our interaction just made me go, I got to ask how much you get paid. <laughs> Cause you kept talking about being broke. And I'm like, yo, one, you work in pharmaceutical advertising. So you, so you should be getting yeah, paid. The, it's like 20% higher. It's, it's way higher. Right. And then also I was looking at her tenure and I'm like, yo, so you've been working probably about four. F- actually, no, she's been working about five years longer than I had. 
And so when I asked her, she's like, oh, I get paid 85. And I'm like, and I looked at her and I said, they're robbing you. Yeah. And I mean, she, that's the thing. Like, when you don't talk about, because like, when you talk about, like, money like that, more people get paid because more people see their worth. But the companies are are making bank or agencies or whatever your workplace is making bank of you because nobody is actually people are afraid to talk about money in this way and talk about their salaries well yeah it's taboo like nobody like we're as people of color i'm just gonna say people of color i don't know what goes on in a white woman's home um (laughs) (laughs) i can assume but i'm not going to but what I can speak to is being a person of color growing up in a home of color, yeah. if that's a thing. Um, and then also being in my friends' houses where mm-hmm. there are boundaries. Like, grown folk business is what ladders up underneath that is money. Yeah. Like, you don't go ask somebody's parent how much they get paid. But also being around white men so having a group of friends who are predominantly white men and seeing how they move in their circle they don't give a fuck they share information because it's not taboo it's like what do you what's the whole point of holding back like everybody's trying to make money you know if you truly a friend you try to make your friends make money so like they're just I, I, there's a, there's a level of transparency that I don't think is happening amongst people of color. Mm-hmm. And obviously like part of it is just like, yo, that's not how we were raised. Like we're not raised to be transparent about money like that. You may talk about how much you get. I think once you leave that hourly rate as like a teenager where, yo, how much you get paid for working at Full Locker? Oh shit, ten dollars an hour? Yeah, I want that. I want that. The minute you step over into that salary range, like yearly salary, like competitive, like actually negotiating, I feel like that's where the wall goes up. And people don't talk about it. So you don't even know how much you should be asking for. And once you go in, and really the first time you should ask somebody is the recruiter calls you, Hey, I have this job open what salary are you looking for? You should immediately be like, mm, let's talk a little bit more and I'll give yeah, you a salary later. Yeah, exactly. Because then you can go and say, all right, cool. I'm having a conversation with this recruiter. Let me go ask so-and-so how much I should ask for. Most of us operate from a standpoint of, oh, I'm just going to ask for ten or $20,000 more. Reality is like, you should be asking for what you're worth. And, and if you don't have that Very resource true. to sort of rely on and like go and ask them, like have a really transparent conversation, like, yo, how much money should I be going after? You kind of set yourself up for failure. So with the woman who was at 85, like I saw the pain in her face. Cause I was like, <laughs> and I told her, I said, yo, like you're legit about 40 to like $60,000 underpaid. And how how much experience did she have? She had about a decade, like 10 years. Are you serious? Um, but going back to... Not to out your friend like that, but damn. But it, <laughs> but it, it, it starts with how you come in sets the tone for everything, yes, right? Yes, yes. And so 
she came in, she had been working there for the majority of her career. And so what had been happening is she came in low. Yeah. So you come in and you ask for this modest salary that you think that you should be getting because this is probably what you hear your other friends talk about. You're speculating on how much your position is worth. And then every year you're going up in these small increments instead of using those opportunities as um, a moment to negotiate and reevaluate your position within that company and reevaluate what you bring to the table and ask for what you worth based off of you now having the expertise to say, I'm the shit, pay me what you owe me, right? So she had been going up in small increments to the point when I met her, she was just at 85. So I'm going to guess she probably came in around 40 something and she was probably going up 2,000, 3,000 a year when she really should have been going up 10,000, 15,000 a year based off of the industry that she was working in and based off of the sector of that industry that she was working in. But if you don't have a network that is knowledgeable in salaries and negotiation tactics, like you're at a disadvantage. So you're going to get to the point where you are 40 to 60 paid, $60,000 underpaid. And I think that happens outside of people of color though. Cause like that's so if you come in low, like everybody knows that like when you come in low, right. it is higher. It's harder for you to make that jump. Like sometimes when people really negotiate their packages, I think that's, that's part of it too. Like negotiation techniques, like how to negotiate, you know, while you're in a company and cause it's easier to negotiate when you're coming into the company. Right. Yeah. I don't, I don't think again, like it's taboo, right? Like the, the most transparent thing that we have is glass door. Who's going on glass door and filling out a salary. Have you done it? No, I look to see my range. But what I'm saying is, have you gone on Glassdoor and put in your salary? When I leave the company. I've never done it. So think about how many people haven't gone on Glassdoor and put in their salary. Yet the information is necessary. Because even in the data, it says that to break, to, actually not break, but to close the gap, we have to be transparent about the ranges for our jobs and even some holding companies they're having these compensation transparency workshops where they show the range for your position who's who's doing that well i know my whole my holding company is doing that is isn't your holding company one of the ones that was just called out recently yeah that's probably why they're doing it okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's a step you can't like, you can't doubt you can't be no mad I'm, not, I'm not i'm not knocking i'm not knocking a step but i'm also but that's I'm, the point of it like that's like in the data it also shows like to close the gap we have to be more upfront we have to have data we have to as a people we have to request the data you know that was one of the takeaways and one of the the studies, it's just, you know, it's a part of who's going to do it or not because, it you know, it's also in the best – I always think it's always in the best interest of the company as well to not – to sit in that, you know, that that area of ignorance because they don't have to pay you. Of course. I, I think in, – and in going to your point, so it sounds like you started to talk about, like, what 
people could do to fix this problem because we're not going to solve it in a episode of the podcast. Right. Um, but what, and I think we, we always like to end on like solutions. I'm going to say like, I think the best solution is on a one-to-one basis or what can each person be doing to one better their own circumstances because if you ain't getting this money, you can't keep that apartment, right? Because it's going to keep going up every year. I like to hold my white people accountable. <laughs> As we know. Because, <laughs> no, like, I think, I think, and women should approach it the same way where they should be trying, trying to hold the men in their life accountable too. Because, one, you don't know what you don't know the easiest way to figure out what you don't know is to go to the source of the problem or go to uh, really like a place where you can figure out where the answer is. And if we're talking about gender pay equality, then the best way to approach it is to walk up to a man who says he's your friend or says he's your ally, whatever, and ask him how much he's getting paid because then you have a baseline. Like, now you know, like, all right, cool. This person, we're either equal or he's getting paid more than me or he's getting paid less than me. But then also you want to assess the situation too. Like, is he ain't shit? Like, because if he he is, then that's not how you want to go to. You want to go to somebody who you're assuming has the the tenure and the experience and the expertise and is being paid for that expertise and maybe getting paid more than you. So what if you, okay. So what if you do ask a colleague, right? Mm-hmm. And you have the pay with how much you're getting conversation and you find out that you're getting paid less than they are for the same amount of work, I guess. Mm-hmm. What do you do next? Like, what do you do next compared so, to the solutions that they gave us? I haven't had that experience in the actual workplace. I had that as a, a freelancer. I would say the first thing I would probably do, and I would do this because I believe starting shit is a, is a sport. <laughs> um, <laughs> I would go to my women colleagues And if I was a woman, I would go to my women colleagues and I would say, let's have a conversation. Let's talk about our money. In the, in the, um, the spirit of transparency and the spirit of sisterhood and the spirit of getting this check. But I'm asking about you. I'm telling you what I would do. Okay. Because if this was a a racial thing and I went to a white colleague and I said, yo, how much are you getting paid? And he said, like, $20,000 more than me. I'm going to go to my black counterparts, and I'm going to say, let's have a conversation about this check. In the spirit of transparency mm-hmm. and all things black, mm-hmm. let's put our salaries on the table okay. and talk about how much we're getting paid. Okay. Now, I need you, other black people, to go and find your white person. And your white person is this the person who says they're down with you, Always wants to go out and drink. Yo, you're the homie. Let's talk about this new Kendrick Lamar track. 
Like putting them on the spot and you holding them accountable. Let's have a conversation about how much you're getting paid. Now, if the other white counterparts are all in line with our salaries, eh, it is what it is. That do negotiate a little bit harder, but I know that that salary is now attainable. So when it comes time for for um, performance reviews for negotiations, I have that salary in mind. I'm trying to push for that salary. If we sit down across the board and there are three or four black people here, and we're all twenty to thirty to sixty thousand dollars underpaid than our white counterparts. Now we're going to sit down and we're going to write out our demands like the Black Panthers. And then we're going to call a lawyer. <laughs> and then we're going to go to HR. Like that's, exactly. That's that's the only – because let's let's be real. Like there was a holding company that, that just got called out the other day. Yep. How do you get called out on that scale without people coming together as a collective and saying we're not getting paid equally? Mm-hmm. One uh, and one person told me this at an agency a couple years ago. He said the system does not change from one person. And I was like, like, like looking at him for like, yo, let me give you some advice, whatever. He was like, man, the system doesn't change from one person. And he kind of like brushed it off. And I said, man, that was when I went home and I thought about it. I was like, I was pissed because I was like, yo, dude. that's true. No, I was pissed because I'm like, yo, you're like a C-suite person and you're black and. Like why you can you, make change is that how you, you can were make thinking? change okay. like, but I took it and I go, oh, you know what? What you just told me to do is get the homies involved. And when I went to the homies and I was like, yo, let's have a conversation about these promotions. I feel like we're not being promoted at an equal um, rate as our white counterparts. We sat down, we talked about it, and I said, let's go to HR. Because you are, just, the, you're just the starting counselor. Shit is, but you, you know what it is. Like, but that's we, how you get things moving. Like you, to be you honest, have to like the system is not going to change from one person. You going into HR and talking about a company wide problem as an individual does not hold the weight of you walking into HR with two, three other people going. There's a problem in this co- in this company. How are we going to solve it? Mm-hmm. Because two, three people sitting in front of HR says lawsuit. One person sitting in front of HR goes, hmm. It's just a, a bother. Yeah, or like, like you're, you're a fly. Like how can we, how can we, you know, make it better, make whatever. it better for this one person or, or sweep this under the rug. Um, so that would be my advice is like there, we have to be transparent amongst each other if, if we're going to see, tangible change i hear that so wait so let's talk about the other solutions because the data is saying that okay yes get a group involved but they say find an advocate and sponsor encourage your manager to give honest feedback take on stretch assignments and use data academic research and experiences to identify and recommend ways to narrow the black-white wage gap. Okay, so... Are these attainable? So, one, I think 
my first step is basically their first step too, right? So an advocate or a sponsor could come in various forms. Maybe not the sponsor because your manager, like your sponsor usually has to be someone who's above you who can pull you up, yeah. right? So the sponsor, maybe. Maybe you can find somebody who's above you who you can go and say, hey, look, raises are coming up in six months. I want to know what's a realistic salary that I can ask for. Maybe they'll tell you. Maybe they won't. But I feel like you can get someone who's on a pair-to-pair basis with you, who you're, who you have a friendly rapport with, who you're chilling with, to be a little bit more transparent. Yeah. Because technically, like that's who you. If we're talking about equal pay, you want equal pay. You want to know how much that person who's getting, who's working next to you, is getting paid. Yeah. So if you have that person, and more specifically, if that person, if you're a woman and that person is a male. Um, but more specifically, if that person is a white male, um, you would want to ask that person and hope that they're being transparent. So then two, the encouraging the managers to give honest feedback. I feel like while that's realistic without knowing the actual salary range it's pointless because then you're still shooting in the dark. Yeah. There needs to be a level of transparency. Like you need to know how much you're, you should be asking for for that manager feedback to even have any have any weight so like if your manager is giving you feedback and you're like all right cool what do you want me to do so like the next one is like take on a stretch assignment like so now you want me to do more work for the same amount of money for the same amount of money and there's and the raise that i'm going to get isn't even going to be what is um what my white male counterpart is going to be getting paid like it's still like it's still shooting in the dark. Like it's 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 giving you more. And, and my mentor said this to me the other day. He said like I feel like you're doing. He, he was criticizing my moves, um, but he said I feel like you're doing all the work, but the real work. Oh shit! And the real work is how much? Where's my money? Like how much money am I missing? And so the real work is really getting someone to say, this is how much I'm getting paid. And I, that's a good point because I and a lot of pop a lot of people in the industry probably feel this way as well, where it's easier to negotiate when you're getting a job or you're in the beginning phase of the job, right? It's easier to negotiate then. But once someone has your work ethic, I feel like peep ethic knows your work knows your work ethic. It's it for some reason we don't know how to negotiate from that point. So people end up, and this is a theory, mm-hmm. so people end up switching to a different job. They hop job, like job hop. That's not a theory. That's a fact. That's a fact? That's I mean, a theory that I have. I'm like, if people knew how to negotiate, maybe that would that aid the retention rate? But it's it's not just negotiation, right? Because, or knowing how to negotiate. I guess the, the fourth point that you mentioned, which is like knowing, doing the research, um, the research says, and anybody can correct this, but there's, you have a rate. Like, this is a service-based industry. Like, you have a rate. So, your rate is pretty much, for your title, for your role, for your level, yeah. is pretty much set in stone. Mm-hmm. So, there's only but so much that you can ask for. Because once you're in that role, like, 
are they going to change the rate card for your raise if you're not getting a promotion? So usually what people end up doing is they end up jumping around, hopping around to find that raise that they probably couldn't attain at the job that they're at. Because once you're there, it's kind of like, yo, you signed up for this. True. So with without knowing the what the actual salary is, all of the other steps are kind of a waste of time. Like they're work, but they're not the real work. The real, the real answer that you want to know is how much, because until you know how much you're going to be taking on stretch work, you're going to be, you know, researching how, how you can get a raise, but you may be shooting for a $10,000 raise when you should be shooting for a $30,000 raise. You don't know until you know the salary. So figuring out how to get the actual salary that you, that you deserve is the real work. Can you get it from Glassdoor? Probably. But Glassdoor is relying on people who are willing to share their salary and people who see value in sharing their salary. Are your white male counterparts going on Glassdoor every time they leave a job and putting their salary? We don't know because Glassdoor isn't revealing that information. Yeah. But unless they are the information on glass door is probably other women, other people of color putting in their salary. So that may not even reflect what the actual salary is. So to like, that's very diverse and inclusive. What do you mean? Like ask meeting friends, being cool with your friends from other groups and, and backgrounds and be like, you know, we got to come together. You know, it's not, to make the change. I'm nah, like, that's very uplifting. Nah. I love it. it. It ain't really uplifting for me. I'm, oh. And I'll be real. Like, because, no. Like, for me, it's legit. Like, you say you're my friend. <laughs> like, here's what I expect of my friends. Mm-hmm. If you see me in a position that is that can be improved upon, and a shitty salary is a position that can be approved. What are you going to do to help me? Because, like, we're friends. I'm around for you. Like, I'm going to yeah. do what I can do for you when I can do it. Mm-hmm. The very least that you could do for me is give me a few syllables that cost you nothing. It doesn't cost you anything to tell me how much you get paid. True. And that is the ammunition that a lot of people are missing from these conversations like you're walking into a situation like yo oh i want to raise i want ten thousand. like one person told me this shit a couple um years ago and he said yo if you've ever asked for a salary and they've said yes within a couple of seconds oh yeah we can do that you left money on the table like you don't want the yes answer you don't want the oh yeah we can do that we want the let's talk yeah. Like let's have a real let's have a real detailed conversation about my experiences, about my skills, and let's have a educated conversation about me getting this money cuz it's work. Yeah. Like we're not working for free. And True. so I think that is that is like a missing link, but then the all the other thing that we want to keep in context is I know why some people probably don't want to do that because 
you probably really want to get that raise. Yeah. Or you really, really want to quit your job because your boss is a dick. And so you don't want to jeopardize that position by having a hard conversation with someone. But at the end of the day, it's like, do you want to waste your time? Mm. Like, you speak. This is gems. Like, I mean, but like the, the but that's story, real. I get like, it. Do you yeah. do you want to waste your time with somebody who isn't going to value you in the long run? Like, you're gonna go in low, and if you go in low, chances are your raises are gonna be low. Yeah. So, not having those conversations or or being afraid to have those conversations, how you get them is how you lose them, right? Like that's contextual shit right so i think it's you know people should go in with a little bit ballsy and realizing that you may not get it but you may not get it because it's not for you my thing is learning how to negotiate because i'm learning how to do that how did you learn how did you learn how to negotiate did someone teach you or did you read up on it like Cause that's where I'm at. Um, I'm trying to find my own thing to negotiate when need when the time, or work too. So when I do negotiate, like I have the points. Um, tell us, Sim. Tell us. <laughs> it's it's not very scientific for me. I woke up one day and I said, "I'm gonna move through life like a white man," and what that meant for me was asking for what I want unapologetically um, and even when it seemed ridiculous you've said this to me before and now I know what you've meant now and the first time so that I did it, it. <laughs> like my heart was racing a little bit because I was like damn I kind of need this check <laughs> but I, I really kind of just like I said, fuck it in that moment. And I remember the moment I was, I put the salary on the table and the woman was like, uh, it's a little pricey. And I was like, I'm worth it. And she was like, yeah, but could we like come down a little bit? And I was like, why would I give you disc- a discount? I'm not going to give you discount. So I give a discount on greatness. But like, and I said to her, I was like, you want me to discount my rate? Like, what does that mean for the work? Like, so do mm. I discount my work? Mm. And she was just like, yeah. And I was like, how about we do this? How about I work for the day at my rate? And at the end of the day, if you feel like my rate isn't worth it, then we can negotiate. At the end of the day, she just said, all right, cool. I'll see you tomorrow. And I was like, all right, cool. It's just business. I mean, at the end, (laughs) yeah, I think we really need to. Like, I understand the whole passion shit. Like, oh, my God, like, you want to go to work and you want to love your job. But these bills need to get paid. Hey. Like, this that's the reality of the exactly. situation. So, fuck all that shit. <laughs> like, <laughs> where, where, where are we, where we net out has to be mutually beneficial for the both of us. And if you don't feel like that, like, if you're leaving one job to go to another job and you're running the numbers, like, be prepared, like run your numbers, run your, how does this salary fit into your bills, your rent? Um, if your if your landlord raises your rent next year, like how does that salary fit into your shit? Yeah. If, if it doesn't, it ain't worth it. Like you might as well just stay there 
and keep collecting what you're collecting and hustling for the position that you want because like why why are you working if you're not getting paid especially in this industry which is extremely competitive at times very stressful um you're dealing with a lot of fucking egos and just fuck shit on a day-to-day basis true if you can't meet your needs at the bare minimum with your your, with your salary why are you doing it yeah that's true so i mean like i think when we talk about these issues equal pay gender pay we need to start contextualizing like why these things are an issue right so with the the gender pay i think the best what she what should be included in all of these conversations like I think the stat is like one in three women in the United States are on the brink of poverty, which and we're not talking about like non-educated, like single like one in three women in the United States is on the brink of poverty. That should be in every equal pay conversation. Yeah. One in three women is on the brink of poverty. So that means when you walk into work every single day, one in three women who's in the office is on the brink of poverty. And part of the reason is she's not getting paid the same amount as her male counterparts. That's fucked up. Fuck shit up. Like that's that's yeah. Like, you gotta fight for yeah, it. Yeah, like so that's I think that's that's the that's the biggest learning. Yeah, I mean like the, all of these conversations need to be put into context. Whether it's diversity and inclusion and social equity, what does it mean when we're not being hired, um, and going to school for the majoring in these in these in, um, in these subjects to get into these industries and not being hired. What does that mean in context? In context, that means that when our neighborhoods are gentrified, we can't afford to live in our neighborhoods. We are where um, we stay lagging in the wealth conversation in the United States. So like all of these things need to be contextualized because when you contextualize them, you get angry. <laughs> so with that, Matt, that said, do you think diversity efforts help close the gender pay gap? I mean, they're supposed to, but again, so we're going back to my, my like at the end of the day, you have to group in and you have to, you have to fight for it. You have to organize and you have to get people together to make it to show, to show the company that this is a real life problem. So I would, I would, I would go back to what my mentor said, which is I feel like a lot of diversity and inclusion initiatives do the work but not the real work Mm -hmm. and so it's supposed to address equal pay and the gender pay gap but it talks about it it does panels but no one's actually doing the work and i'm going to take that back for or caveat that because nisha tweed who's the guest on here yeah um she does a yearly uh, or she's done it for like the last couple of years, um, a yearly panel talking very explicitly yes. about money I've t- I've and, attended this. And, and how yeah. to get money. So, mm-hmm. and does she talk about salaries? The last one that I went to, she doesn't specifically talk about salaries, but she talks about um, that we should negotiate. We should learn how to negotiate. We should not just stay, like when you, someone gives you an offer, like, not to just take that as the offer um, because we are leaving money on the table. And as women of color, 
we are leaving a lot of money on the table. Mm-hmm. So it's more of like strategies to negotiate, but not specifically like like how a compensation workshop would work, where you talk about the range. You get solutions to how to get to that range and then how to negotiate that in real life so you get more so you can get paid the money that you are worth, I guess. Yeah. So I think what you just mentioned is there probably needs to be a compensation workshop. Yeah. Right. And so that's how do you look at a company and try to assess how much your position is worth based off of that company's profile and their clientele being able to assess that that because I mean like I feel like going back to your question does diversity and inclusion address the gender pay gap it talks about it but it doesn't necessarily address it and I feel like the difference is putting initiatives in place or arming people with the right initiatives to or spark the conversation to understand like how do we go back and adjust this so it's like something like a compensation workshop would be adjusting it because now you're pulling all these women into a room and you're saying this is how much these salaries are worth now when you're going back and you're negotiating you're going you're negotiating from a from a place of how do i get to that hundred thousand dollars how do i get to the 120 having very detailed conversations. So like now if you go into your manager and you're having a conversation about your goals for the next year, part of your goal is not just, I want to raise or I want a promotion. I want a promotion and I want 120 K or negotiations to start around 120 K at the base. Cause now, like now, you're there are no surprises. Like, and I think it's it's all about being transparent, asking for what you want, and let them say no. Like the the worst that the worst that anybody can say is no. is no in anything. Well, thanks, Sim. That was a lot of gems. I learned a lot. <laughs> did you? You? I did. Okay. I did. I I'm not I'm not gonna admit that I'm a job hopper because I am not, but I am at the point where. I do like where I'm at, but there's going to be a point, and today's not the day, but there is going to be a point of where I need to negotiate. It's going to be a day of reckoning. <laughs> it's going to be a day where I'm like, okay, this was cute. Like, now you need to pay me. I mean, I, I feel like everybody should, like, one, keeping your position in context, like, yeah. keeping your role in context, and if you live in New York, right? Context, or Los Angeles or these are like really expensive cities, yes. right? Context is looking at your neighborhood and going, can I afford to buy property here? Or what will it take? What is the salary that it will take for me to buy property in, in my neighborhood? What kind of down payment should I be looking at when we're talking about buying property in your neighborhood? Because then you now you're having a very different strategy um, building session when you're sitting down and thinking about how to get this money. Because one, and maybe we should even have an episode about this where it's like 
understanding like how a lot of people forward how your white counter let's be specific right because gentrification is white people mainly white people moving into neighborhoods of color buying properties prices go up they're still able to buy properties people of color have to move out right so especially in an industry like advertising or any of these creative industries so media um entertainment tv television web online all that shit right living in bedsty that's where i live and also working in real estate because that's one of my freelance clients um knowing the salaries and knowing the industries that a lot of these people come from which is advertising media creative industries they're able to afford to buy properties in our neighborhoods right so but here we are having this conversation about gender pay um and equal pay so what's up so right there across the board you know that there's some disparities in how we're getting paid true so shit needs to be addressed because we should be able to afford to buy properties if they're able to afford if they're able to buy properties in in our neighborhoods so like how do how are they able to do it how are they not just negotiating salaries but negotiating their bonuses negotiating their raises especially at the senior levels because we're all trying to get to a certain point in our careers where this work that we're putting in on the ground level pays off so there's there's a bigger conversation that needs to be had about the context of why why there's a need for all of these um, initiatives that call for diversity and inclusion and social equity. Yeah. I mean that's 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 all I got cuz really No, you have all the gems. I mean, like I'm we're just not, learning we're how not, to navigate not, this thing. I mean at the end of the day like yeah, we're working to travel, we're working to, you know, be able to afford brunches, but the reality of the situation is we're working to live. Exactly. And so how do you live on a salary? And, and I think just kind of going back to that that stat, which one in three women in the United States are on the brink of poverty, and this is including educated women, working women, women who are skilled professionals, they're on the brink of poverty. Why? And it's the gender pay gap. You got to fight to get your money. Well... I think we put a whole bunch of solutions throughout this episode. So I don't think we need to end. How about you? Just get money. Organize. <laughs> organize. Yeah, get organized. your money and keep, like, and do you. Do you, boo. Yeah, start start mm-hmm. talking with your friends about your salaries, like being very transparent about it. Because, like, yeah, you probably don't. Why, we just like, can't be broke out here. Like, like yeah, you, you, you can't be can't. broke. I you think have it's, to live. Like, I get it. I hear you. It's, it's definitely going to, like, take talking about getting this money. Like, it, your salary shouldn't be a secret. Yeah. And the, and, that, and the data survey says that's true. Yeah. So you can catch um, Mixed Company um, on Stitcher, on SoundCloud as Ask Mixed Company. Apple. Catch Oh, and Apple iTunes Mixed Company, the podcast. Remember, you have homework to do. Catch us um, on Facebook and talk to us on Twitter. So we'll catch you and later. Instagram. Huh? And Instagram. And Instagram. You see all wonderful pictures. Yeah, so Instagram, Twitter, it's X Mixed Company. And then Facebook, it's Mixed Company Podcast. Yes. All right. We'll holler at you later. All right, guys. Bye.